Hi, this is okay. Carl Kalchuk. Welcome to another SNB Community Podcast. I'm joined by my good friend, Dave Sobel. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Carl. So Dave is a long, long time friend of mine and just happens to be, it just, I, I don't know what you are, the genius in residence at SolarWinds. <laughs> so you used to be- I, You know what, I'm gonna change my title to that. Then you, then you grew to the whole universe. So tell me what you do. Yeah, my, my new- my new title actually is Senior Director of MSP Evangelism. Um, so I've moved from being sort of just a community leader and, and voice of the customer to actually doing a lot of strategy and business thinking on where our market is going, what managed services looks like in the future, because that's such a broad term when it could be anything now. Um, and, and so where are we going as an industry giving solar winds insight into where we need to be ready and then also to help the community with the guys this is what we're thinking about these are we think are the trends that matter this is what we want to to make sure you're prepped for uh, the way I was, i've been described as doing it is you know if product management is thinking about what's happening in 2018 i'm thinking about what happens in 2019 so that we're ready for that and we're ready for 2020 and, and beyond well we've reached the point where you know, Moore's Law has been going on for 50-some years, and, and now that, that started to tip up, I can't imagine what's going to go on in 2019, right? So how do you even begin to think in those terms? Well, so, and, and I'll ref, we'll, we'll probably both end up citing a bunch of books. Um, I'm a big fan of Daniel Burris and his flash-forward technique, where you identify the differences between hard trends and soft trends. So hard, hard trends are things that you can identify as being very, very reliable. Um, you know, the, the idea that you can, you talk about, you know, Moore's Law is accelerating. We know that chips will get faster. I may not know exactly how much faster, but we know the chips will get faster. We know storage will get cheaper. We know bandwidth will increase. There's a bunch of hard trends that are very, very reliable that we can predict based on behavior. So the, the trick is sorting out the soft trends, which are the ones we can't always predict. I, I don't know when a particular company will do a release, for example, but I can assure you that Apple will release a new iPhone. Right? Right. There will be a new Android. I just don't know what it is. The timing is a soft trend, but the fact that it's going to happen is a hard trend. And so it's a matter of kind of putting together all of the hard trends and making good predictions of, about what are going on. You use past experience and, and insights to make decisions about that. And then you're also looking at, at technologies to say, well, which ones do we think are going to be impactful and which ones are, which ones really matter? So, you know, for example, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm spending some time looking at blockchain technologies, right? And so I'm not hugely enamored with Bitcoin as an individual, like, implementation. I think, yeah, people will make some money, but it's really volatile and I can't tell. But I can tell that blockchain is going to be a really significant technology. So what, what does blockchain enable? What does it open? That's an example of it. You know, technologies I'm really high on right now in terms of, of their capabilities is, is AI and, and, and it's offshoots. You can take AI and machine learning, data analytics, and they're all super related. Um, I, I'm really high on those technologies and I think what, where they're going to impact us as, as an organization. And then the other one that I'm really high on these days is voice and, and thinking a lot about the way voice technologies would work. So when you think about these, is it primarily just, I, I don't want to sound demeaning, but is it just for fun? Or are you looking like when you say voice, you say, oh, how can we put voice in our product? Or how can we put, how can we increase our ability to monitor things with voice? Like what's going on there? 
it's it's all of the above. So if you if you think the first bit is is there's the creative side is well you look at it for fun, right? Like, well what can voice do? Like how does it change things? And and I'm looking at it from that side, the creative side, to try and make a decision like, is this a viable technology? Is it going to make a big, big difference? Um, you know, and, and so, you know, one of the voice of, I've looked at a lot, and there's, there's some voices that will say that voice is a parlor trick. Um, and I will actually say with a smile, somebody in the organization here told me that, like, oh, voice is, voice is a parlor trick. Like, it, it's a cool toy, but it's not going to be impactful. Uh, I, I was, I, I thought voice was cool and I invested a bunch in Amazon Alexa devices to put them in my house and, and got exploring them from that perspective. And I too fell in that camp for a while saying, well, this is cool. Like it's kind of fun and interesting, but I don't think it's going to make it, I don't necessarily see the impact. I changed my tune a little bit after some time over the holidays, uh, with my family as I watched, uh, both my nieces and nephews, but also my brother, <laughs> so my contemporary, uh, interacting with their devices purely by voice. So Jason struck me that he, when he look, searches for something, he doesn't type it anymore. He takes his phone and he holds it up and goes, Google, look up, uh, you know, so-and-so. When, when you're solving the bet at dinner, right? His answer is not to type in the search. His answer is grab his phone, ask it to look up the results, and then he, re- and then he looks at it. And that was a really natural interaction. And I, that for me started saying, well, where is this going to go? What does voice look like in an actual, fully realized world? Um, and I'll point to our favorite, my favorite uh, reference for uh, deciding if technology is viable is you go to Star Trek. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, in fact, if you watch just about any episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, they will have some interaction with the computer which is voice-driven, uh, likely also involves uh, keyboard or touch, the way they're, they're interacting with it, but they will interact with the computer, and it, the computer understands context, the computer understands commands that stack on one another, uh, and those are the pieces that are missing now, but they aren't that far well, off. That's what I was going to say, is that <laughs> I can ask uh, uh, Alexa or Siri, what's the weather? But then I can't say, uh, what about the afternoon? And have them understand anything that I'm talking about, right? So, um, or right, I, right. I, and, and how about tomorrow? <laughs> and like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Did you say something to me? Right. So what's interesting but is our processing power is growing <laughs> so fast that, you know, getting the context in there, is, let's say that that takes six months or a year, and then the year after that, boom, it'll be like so beyond what we can imagine. So that's the cool part for me yeah. is the 2X, totally 4X, cool 2X. So I'm 100% with you. And so, so then you ask me, okay, so, so that's, that's me saying, okay, I think there's something to this voice thing. <laughs> right. uh, I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the bits come together. You know, you take the hard trend of, look, Computing power is getting faster. The capabilities and the architecture of it is pretty solid. They're going to be able to add context. Like you can see it coming. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you can see it coming. So I've, I'm a believer right now that, that voice is the next big UI. Like I think it's the next big way that we interact with, with our computing technologies. I'm just going to say computers. I don't just mean desktops and laptops, but, but, but computing technology. 
I think that's, the, and I, I, I'm looking at it the same way that I suspect people looked at the mouse at Xerox Park when it, when it first said, well, that's really interesting. It can, it, it's, a, it's a cool parlor trick. I can drag things around. It can make things different. But you can you quickly saw that that implemented and changed the completely the way that people interacted with things. Now you ask, you know, well, are we thinking about it for a product? I, I'd like to understand the way that we might, as engineers, do that stuff. Um, I can completely see a scenario where, you know, and again, this is me speculating, right? So I'm trying to figure out where this is going. But I can see an, an environment where you're you're an engineer, you're working on a problem with a customer, you are not only using your, the way that you might do now, but you might be asking questions of your monitoring system saying, you know, well, is that system also up? Well, what about, the, what about this? Is, is ser our services still working there while you're doing something else too, potentially? Like you're, you may be looking at a problem and reading some logs and go, uh, you know, RM, tell me, is, is this system still online? Was it online yesterday? Was you know, how many devices are, are working right now? Are they all connected? You might start asking those questions in an interactive way while you're working in another way. I, I can see that happen. Um, well, can you, can you, I can totally <laughs> see, I mean, with the world of IoT, right, where there are millions of endpoints, you literally, you can't monitor every camera in real life. You, you literally can't. So there have to be algorithms to say, what's abnormal here? and just show me what's abnormal. And I can see asking my RM, what else should I be paying attention to? <laughs> and exactly. it, it's saying, <laughs> well, here's some weird stuff that happened yesterday, right? So, um, especially mm -hmm. attacks, because, you know, when you're on the defense, you have to defend everything. But when you're on the offense, you will, you know, it's a classic thing. You only have to pay attention to the one point that you're attacking, so. Yeah, and you, and you actually bring up something really interesting that we're thinking a lot about is, is this idea of anomaly detection. And, you know, when you say, like, show me, did something weird happen yesterday? We could, we could put our smarts on figuring that out. So if you think about the, the, the vast collection of data that our technologies uh, create, and, and it's one of the values of, of getting to be a, a business of our size, right? Is, so we're, we're managing, we've got 20,000 MSPs, we've got millions of devices out there. We can probably see more than most individual engineers would ever see in their lifetime in terms of trends. Right. And so, and so if we can, if, if we can be smarter and smarter, we've already done some investments in here. We, we talked about, you know, if you've been watching us for a while, we did a technology, we have a technology called Logic Cards, which does some of that, that now we can move into directions of more anomaly detection of watching trends across all devices and helping make sure that information gets gets displayed and communicated and maybe you can ask for it via voice. Um, you know, we, we can do some really stuff. There's some really interesting things that happen at scale on, in, in terms of data that you can find these things that you couldn't do before. But the only way we're going to be able to really do that is continued investment in these machine learning technologies, artificial intelligence. You know, we, we've been doing that. We have to continue to do it and we have to find new ways to make that smarter and to put it into other products. And, and one of the things we've been looking at is, you know, so Logic Cards is great because Logic Cards is the notification that does it, but it doesn't necessarily always fit in your workflow. Like it, it's, we've got to make it so that it's not an interruption. It's part of the natural way that you interact right. with, with these systems. 
So that's, that's a lot of the stuff that, that we think, you know, like, okay, that's something that we've got to, we've got to continue to invest in because I think that's going to make a really big difference. You know, I always smile and go, yeah, I'm not really interested in talking about the, like, is that alert check or that alert check? Like <laughs> different, like that's not, that's not the value anymore. The value is, can we really make it so that you're interacting with this data in a, in a much, much smarter way? What's interesting is I've had so many conversations, probably I'd say in the last month, where I'm looking to the future. I'm saying, you know, gosh, you know, next year I'm going to be able to buy a driverless car if I choose to. And the year after I'll, I'll have a choice between two and the year after I'll have a choice between 10. And there are other people who say, no, 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 that's, that's five to 10 years away. I'm like, it is not. It is absolutely not. And then I say, well, you know, solar power, you know, is, is expanding at 25% a year. Soon, the, we will literally have all the power we need on Earth because the, the growth rate of need and the growth rate of, of uh, availability will cross each other. And people say, no, 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 that's, that's five or 10 years away. And there's all these things where I literally believe that, that we are entering the beginning of that exponential curve and that, uh, you know, what do you do with people who are in our industry and say, no, 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 we won't get universal bandwidth for another 10 years, right? And, and at the well, same time that Microsoft <laughs> is announcing that they're going to put it, they're going to bring, you know, high-speed bandwidth to 20 million homes, right? It's like, mm -hmm. uh, what do you do when people are like in your industry, but they just are not believers, I guess? Well, I mean, you know, ultimately, <laughs> yeah, the heavy side there is just because I'm, look, I, I, it is a difference for me in terms of the people that I think really understand it and are going to be able to keep up with this and the ones that aren't. They are self-selecting for me. They're indicating whether or not they are going to take this ride with us or if they are going to, to, to be left behind. I, I actually might even challenge you to say, like we may not be entering it. We may actually already be on it and just don't know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> is because I, I think innovation is happening at such a rapid rate that we can't even see it and process it as humans. And so that's, that's really the, the, the kind of frightening bit to this is this is a rocket ship that we have to grab onto and you don't even know how fast it's going to go. Um, you know, it's it's an indicator for, for those people that are going to make a real big difference and impact on the, on this, and and who just aren't. Um, you know, look, I have I've absolutely I've I've maintained this for as long as we've known a lot of my whole career. And I have absolute respect for somebody who wants to carve out uh, a lifestyle business and is comfortable with what they're doing, and 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 I self identifies as that. Um, but let's be realistic about what that is. If you don't think these changes are coming fast, you are not paying attention. <laughs> because uh, this is happening at a rate that's just stunningly fast. Um, and, you know, and you talk about universal bandwidth. I mean, 5G is just around the corner. And when you look at the spec on how fast and how much bandwidth we're going to have, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. I'm sure you're in the same – I mean, I'm in a major metro. I know you're in a major metro. I mean, I have gigabit Ethernet to my house. Like, it, it's just – and it, like I've reached the point where I don't even think about bandwidth anymore when I'm when I'm working. I don't like visiting our corporate offices because bandwidth is slower. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's because I'm a big nerd for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but but we we're hitting that point. We're just bandwidth is ubiquitous. I don't even think about it. Right. Well, and I happen to know that you bought your current car 
you bought a kind of car <laughs> that you just you wanted to be able to drive before that opportunity disappears. So you are clearly a believer that we're headed down that road, <laughs> so to speak, right? I, um, I did. It's funny because I, I did. I bought a, a, a bought a fun car, anticipating that I'm probably not going to be able to drive for very much longer. Right. And, and <laughs> I like I like to go fast. And and I'm uh, I don't know in the neighborhood of 15 years, maybe close, a little more than that, older than you. But I'm on the other end of it, where we both travel like crazy. And I think about last October, I was home three days, I think, or two and a half days, right? The rest of the time, my car sat right. in the garage. I paid my car payment. I paid my insurance, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking the sooner I can just push a button or, or talk, say, you know, Alexa, get me a car. And, uh, and I pay for my subscription to whatever, uh, a thousand miles a month, right? And mm -hmm. a driverless vehicle shows up and I get in and I read my book. Well, it takes me where I want to go. The sooner that happens, the better. Because I think it'll be cheaper than what I'm paying now, right? When I take a car payment I, plus gas plus insurance, yeah. like I guarantee my subscription would be cheaper than what I'm paying today. So I can't wait for it. I suspect you could even do it now. I suspect you could even do it now. I think you could use uber and the tech and lyft and the technologies that are available now you could probably do it. my wife was trying to convince me actually before buying the last car and it was she was trying to say like because i do you're right is i don't travel too much and i'm not home right. you know not home all that much and she sort of said like i bet you could get rid of your car and i did run the numbers and it was pretty close and she was probably right but i enjoy driving too much <laughs> so <laughs> well uh, i was I, not ready to give up the toy i figure if i if i use uber and lyft i mean six or seven hundred bucks a, a month buys a lot of lyft right so mm -hmm. uh, you know we, we shall see i know for a fact i i have committed that i bought my last car right that there's no reason right. for me to go do another five-year you know gig paying the man you know so uh, that that's for sure yeah but I think, but I think this is it's important for people to start thinking this different way, and and that you, know, you really do need to reconsider assumptions about things that we're investing in that we've always said we will have. You know, we can take, we can make the argument, and, and I know you do on a regular basis, and I do too. And says I think at this point, if anybody's buying a server, they are they are probably insane. Um, I just, I mean, I don't see the point. Of, you know, I, I have, a, a, you know, my, my last little aging, uh, you know, HP uh, mini server in my house, which is doing no production work at all. It is right. simply a staging zone for me to try things that, for people that still have servers. Right there is my <laughs> HP Cube, right? So, yep, yep. Which, which, to be honest, I bought that brand new at the beginning of last year. And, I, you know, I mean, it was only whatever a few hundred dollars, but I realized as soon as I bought it that all I'm using it for is to back up data from the cloud. Like that's my backup. It does nothing, <laughs> right. right? I mean, it, it does, I have three machines in this office. It provides Active Directory for us. But other than that, you know, it, it literally there's, I wasted my money, so. But it was a fun toy right. and I made some yep. cool videos, so, you know. Oh, totally. And, and, you know, and we, we have a, we have a, we have a NAS slash SAN in our house. My wife's a video producer. So we've got a lot of really big data files. So she's still got, we have a, you know, we have a SAN, but it's appliance based. You know, it's an appliance. I put it in. It's, it's got a bunch of big drives. Uh, she's got a line directly to it for Ethernet so that it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's her own dedicated SAN. 
and everything else is cloud. Like I just that cloud backups to the cloud. I keep my, my redundant copies into cloud providers, you know, and, and my bandwidth is good enough to do it. We can have the argument about certain markets. I know we've both been on Australia and their bandwidth isn't there yet. Right. But but again, this is just a matter of time. It is not a matter of, of if, it is just when. Right. It's just how fast the rollouts happen. And so, you know, for your own market, you know, you're, you're going to move it at different paces, but please don't tell me that it isn't happening. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, sometimes technology skips over certain people, right? Like uh, a great deal of Africa skipped right. over the lined telephones and went straight to cellular, yep. right? So I think we're going to see some of that with our internet as well, that people who have almost nothing are going to have fiber. And then the people who've got, you know, mm -hmm. a couple hundred megs and are happy with it. Well, they may not get upgraded to gigabit for a long time, you know? So, yep. you know, but, it, but eventually it's coming and, and this eventually is faster every day. You know, uh, I was on a call the other day about technology in general. And one of the things that popped into my head, because people were asking about when will desktop as a service be viable? And it, I just, it just occurred to me, it'll be viable when someone like Amazon says, I will get, provide this to you for free as long as you're a subscriber, right? Because well, at $100 a month, it's, it's just not worth it today. Yeah, and actually, because it's, it's, it's funny, I have a funny, I have a different perspective on, on desktop as a service. Um, I actually, uh, desktop as a service for me is like too specific of an implementation of the way that I think this is all going to go. I have desktop as a service. It's called my phone, right? This is the device that I really carry everything about. What I really want this to move to is not to desktop as a service, but I want to come in. So I'm in a, I'm in a temporary, you know, in a visiting office today. What I really want to be able to do is come in, put my phone down, and this desk convert to my workspace. Yeah. That, that's really what I want to have happen, where the devices are talking securely to one another. Where you know it can it can it can identify that because I'm an employee here, I'm allowed to use these shared facilities. There's a secure connection where my phone is only handing off the information that's required. Um, you know, and, and it understands to say, and this is where I like I think blockchain may help, or technologies like blockchain, uh, where where it, it can because it can understand who's talking to who. Um, you know, and, and I interact with the devices here. Why do I need desktop as a service when I can carry my computer in my pocket? <laughs> it just needs to be smarter about the things that I talk to. And that's where, you know, it gets into this really interesting, what are we managing problem? Right. Um, I, I've, my, one of the ideas that I've been talking about that I think that I think the, the, the community, I really like feedback on this idea is I actually think we're going to move toward what I call human centric management. Um, Right now, most of our tools are really based around the idea of managing devices, right? Like we all, you log into any of the tools, ours, right. anybody's, you log in on RMM, it's a whole big long list of devices, right? We don't work based that way. When, when you, particularly if you think about like a help desk scenario where, you know, Jane calls in and Jane's having a problem printing, right? right? We, need, we don't represent Jane in the system very well. I want to be able to say, RM, show me Jane, and out comes all of Jane's things that Jane interacts with. And then I can say, okay, well, I see, you know, that here's Jane, and she's got these, she's Officer 65, and she's got, she likes these four, these are her four printers, 
and here's the three desktops and here's her phone. And so I get a, a picture of Jane and then I can say, okay, well now I see where, okay, I already see there's red, her printer's down or her desktop's offline. Like I'm getting a user view of things, not a machine view of things. And by the way, then I can do cool things with analytics and say, Jane's a problem user. Jane, <laughs> Jane has 40, 42 tickets come in about printing before. Um, you know, but I'm getting a very, very different view of management where I'm managing the systems around people. And if you, if you turn that model around and, you, and, and say, like, I want to put humans into the system rather than just devices, it becomes way more interesting from a management perspective. Right. And what do you think about the big companies versus little companies? Because historically, you know, like I worked for HP for a while, uh, they're very slow to upgrade a generation. You know, like if, if they could skip two generations of Windows, they would, you know, just because it's so <laughs> right. cost prohibitive and, and, and not for the cost of the software, but for the cost of the labor of replacing whatever, 100,000 desktops, right? Um, versus small business where, you know, I got 10 people, I can do whatever I want. seems to me that small business has the ability to catapult over uh, big business in terms of implementing some super cool technology. Well, I totally agree with you there. The other thing is, is I, is I want to make sure that I point out to, to everybody as we think about these things, cloud software delivery is changing that uh, unwillingness to upgrade kind of perspective. Um, and you can even see it in, in, in Microsoft's OS deployment methodology. You know, they, they now have two tracks. You can be on the cloud version of their operating systems, which update every, what is it, every quarter that they promise an update, or you can be on the stable server, you know, the stable version, which is only like, you know, twice a year. They've got, they've recognized that there are different deployment methodologies. If you're a small business and now you're putting all your stuff in the cloud and you're depending on all these cloud deployments, you're going to move way faster than anybody else. But even enterprise uh, organizations are starting to say, we need to shift the way that we think about this. I mean, I'll point to the, the most behemoth of them all, right? The federal government. <laughs> federal government has, has declared that they're looking to impl implement cloud first as in as many situations as possible because they recognize the value that they're getting there. Uh, Amazon showed off a demo with the Department of Transportation where they're using facial recognition to do paperless passports. They are testing this in Newark Airport right now. Let me, let me point out the in, incredible breakthrough we've got that the U.S. government is looking at getting rid of paper passports <laughs> in favor of cloud technologies using facial recognition. We're moving pretty fast, people. Like the government is doing it. <laughs> well, it's so. funny. That I've always, when you talk about facial recognition, I've always found that this disconnect because when I go to global entry, I have to stand there really mm -hmm. stiff and take off my glasses and stare <laughs> at the thing and don't blink and, and half the time it works, right? Um, and, and at the right. same time, there are cameras over there and they're going boop, 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 and they're doing facial recognition of bad guys all over the place, 10,000 at a time. So it's in the same airport yep. and it's the same government, but the variance even in their technology is quite dramatic, so. Um, oh, absolutely. But but they're but they are moving this way, and they and and the fact that you know and and, the, and it's a, you know we were talking. You think about the the rate of innovation. 
you know, it is able to allow even behemoth companies to move a lot faster than they've ever been able to move before. I'm with you. That's why I'm, I'm an SMB guy through and through. I think it's super exciting to be in small companies that let us really drive at a really fast rate. Um, you know, and, and you know, one of the reasons I do what I do is I love helping small companies be better. Um, and I think that's where the interesting bits is when you can partner with companies that have deeper resources so that they can bring you those technologies and you, the S&D, can go forth and innovate really fast. Right. So um, we're almost out of time, but uh, if you could give some advice to the, you know, the average MSP who's just like trying to figure out what, what can I do to make sure I'm on the right path for the future? You know, any, any grand advice besides... Listen to everything Dave says. <laughs> I, 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 like, I always like to say, I just my goal is to be right more often than I'm wrong. <laughs> um, you know, I think, the, I think a lot of it, my, my core advice these days is challenge perception. Challenge things that you've always thought are true to make sure that they still are. Because if you're willing to ask those questions, you will not get stuck on something that is, that, 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 where time has passed you by. Um, and I think if you're, if you're willing to challenge those conceptions, you'll, you'll be in a good position. I'm still very, very bullish on managed services providers. And the reason is, is that it goes back to the core idea that we've been talking about for like 15 years, right? The idea behind managed services providers is that you build systems to help manage things in predictable ways. Those principles are still exactly the same. <laughs> is that you are finding ways to make things reliable through repeatable process. Focusing there is a skill that you practice over and over again. I think the innovation engine is going to move faster. I think you're going to have to look at making sure that your processes can be adaptable. I've even talked about the idea of, of I wrote a paper a few years ago, the, the idea of the perpetually valuable MSP that's right. always you, using process to innovate, but process is an innovation. And if you keep practicing it and keep practicing the idea of trying new systems and testing and rolling things out, you'll leverage the skills you already have. You just have to recognize that you've got to be willing to change your process through process, <laughs> but, 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 you're, but you're leveraging skills you've already got. So I'm really high on, on managed service providers because I think you've got exactly the right skills to do all this. My caution is don't get hung up on the technologies themselves. Focus on your repeatable process and your repeatable delivery, and you'll do really, really well because not a lot of people are going to be able to adapt that fast. Well, you told me it's probably three years ago now that one of your, one of your goals is to really take an analytical view of this industry and to, to look at it in terms of research and numbers and what we know and what we don't know. And I'm really grateful that you're working for a company that still continues to allow you to do that. So, you know, because uh, whether people use your products or not, I think we all benefit from having somebody taking that perspective of the world instead of saying, you know, hey, let's go build another server and see how much money we can get out of it. So. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. It is what I like doing. And I'll, you know, we'll make sure that everyone, all my social stuff, we'll, we'll put the links up here. I love talking about this stuff. Follow me on, on Facebook or Twitter or interact and tell, like, and let's 
continue this conversation because understanding this, I think is critically important for us as an industry to, to continue to do right by our customers, to continue to deliver the, you know, both us solar winds for our customers, the MSPs, but more importantly for the MSPs to do right by their customers. There is, because in this chaos and this movement, there's so much confusion, there's real opportunity to do some cool stuff. We kind of have to band together to keep, make sure that we're all on, on the, getting the latest information and things move so fast. But there's real power in this collective intelligence. And if we can leverage it and we can make the system smarter that way, it's going to be a really, really great ride. Well, I, for one, am very excited about it. So thank you for your time today. I really seriously appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on, Carl. This is a ton of fun.